All right. Okay, folks, uh, this is Terry and Tom, and we're here with another exciting episode of the Metaphysical Mysteries, uh, the most exciting part of your day, of course. And we have with us a guest today, Angelina M. And she's, uh, man, she's been from everywhere. I mean, she's, uh, I mean, technically Cambodian, American, from the Boston area, now Sedona. Wow. So she can actually talk to Tom. For those of you who know Tommy, he is, of course, from the Boston area, and she is too. And to see a beautiful Cambodian lady with a Boston accent when she gets pissed, that is funny to me. And and so those those two here are going to be able to to chit-chat quite well, I am sure. Um, So we go, how do we classify Angelina? Well, I, I personally would say um, she is a psychic medium, but it's, but it's more than that because um, she gets um, great detailed messages and it's from the other side. It's um, like some of those trans mediums that we see that are getting things from, you know, some consciousness, uh, group consciousness on the other side. She gets that. She gets it for people all over uh, the, the United States as, as, as need be. And, um, you know, people come be bopping through. Uh, she's got four kids, beautiful kids, and they've all got unique skill sets. And um, to the point where um, she's actually went to school to learn how to help assess these kids. And many of us in the metaphysical field, um, where they come up with these names, I don't know, but they, you know, they call them indigo kids. Uh, some call them crystal kids and the golden kids. I don't know. They had a, whatever name it is, it just means they're more in tune psychically than the average person. And so, Angelina, welcome to the Metaphysical Mysteries. And if you want to do any kind of a basic intro of yourself, hey, now's the time. Knock your socks off. Thank you, Terry. Yeah, thank you for having me here, Tom and Terry. You're welcome. You're welcome. So you want to give anybody your background? Um, so, you know, growing up, um, my mom had um, thought, you know, what I experienced was what she experienced. And so she thought everything was um, normal, you know, that what she experienced and what she experienced in her country. We came from Cambodia. Um, I came to this country when I was, when I was uh, three or four years old. And, you know, my mom had told me stories growing up and I never really... Uh, you know, asked or uh, try to figure out what is real and what is not. But my mom would say, oh, yeah, that's normal what you're experiencing. Um, So, you know, today in age, we would say that's psychic abilities or medium, uh, mediumship. And, um, but back then, I didn't understand that. And my mom didn't understand it either. But she thought that was very normal. Um, So coming here to the United States, um, you know, when you talk to people, other people, you, you thought they experienced the same things. Mm-hmm. But um, I wanted to go into a little bit about the story my mom um, had before we came to America. Sure, absolutely. Um, keeping, it, keeping in mind, uh, your mom comes from a, a, correct me if I'm wrong, but a, a Buddhist background from a religious point of view, correct? Yes, correct. Yeah, it's, uh, she didn't heavily get dive into the Buddhist uh, beliefs, 
but she did respect it and she knew that that was her culture. Um, so yes, she did pray to, you know, Buddha or whoever was connected with all of that. Um, and uh, she found some answers. And I believe that as long as you connect, you know, with that other higher realm that no matter what religion you are, you will get answers. Sure. Well, go ahead. Um, well, tell us about your mom. So fascinating. Yeah, so there was, was a story, and it's true. Um, now that I'm older, I can question her about it. Um, so I was around three years old, and I have an older sister who's three years older than me. And uh, we were going through the uh, Killing Fields. If you ever saw the movie Killing Fields, that, that, that's the movie to watch to see uh, what my family went through. Um, and, you know, my mom says, you know, that's only 25% of what really happened, what they showed in that movie. Or there's another one um, that Angelina Jolie produced. It was, uh, first they killed my father. Um, so that is another one. Um, the killing is, fields for me was... This was all during like the Pol Pot period, right? Yes, the, Pol, yep, the Khmer regime, the Pol Pot period. Yeah, Khmer Rouge, all that stuff. So for, um, for our listeners, you know, I mean, you really, you're going back in time here, but there was millions of people. I mean, it's almost like a a miniature, not even miniature, but almost like a Holocaust mm -hmm. in and of itself that took place in, in that whole area. And so this was a big, big deal, not just a, a few hundred people. This is a big deal. Yeah, basically, yeah, it was like a genocide almost right. of very innocent people. Um, and then they would be brainwashed to kill their own people. Um, yeah, it was a it was a tough time. Everybody was drawn out to away from the city and into the the country or the jungle, whatever you want to call it. And uh, my family, my my mom's first husband was killed because he was very educated and he was tricked into going to a village nearby village and he never back. Um, they came back from my mom. They beat her uh, and she was pregnant. And they beat her, put her in a rice bag, threw her in the river. And she said, wherever she ended up, she, it did not even look familiar at all. And she didn't know how she survived that. But she lost the baby. Um, she basically bled herself to the point where she didn't even, they, it took a while for her to get back to it. Um, but when my dad, my mom uh, was a nurse during that time. And my dad was a soldier um, at the camps. And so my, that's how my mom and my dad met. So my dad had a hand injury and they met then. Um, so this happened for a long time, years. Um, it didn't happen just like one year. You know, it, it, it played itself out for a long time and affected a lot of lives. And so when my mom and my dad got to the point where they were out in the country, they didn't have a place um, to go. And we found ourselves, I guess, with a group of other families who were looking to find refuge or safety. We didn't know where to go. There were mines everywhere we stepped. So my dad and my mom kind of thought about, you know, staying with this group or not. So my dad said, we should stay with this group. And my mom said, no, we shouldn't stay with this group because there's crying babies and there's, uh, it would just allow us to be noticed by the enemies or the people that would harm us. So let, um, let me, let me, so what, let me tell the listeners. So, you guys are actually trying to find your way out of Cambodia and you're going through areas filled with landmines 
that could explode and blow you to pieces at any moment. And, and you, your mom and dad are trying to decide what group they're going to go with. And, and he wanted to go one way, she wanted to go to the other, and she was apparently listening to her intuition um, to know which, which way to go. Is that pretty much correct? Yes, basically, if that's, you know, that's how we would say it now is, yeah, she listened to that inner ability, right? So maybe she was using her psychic, I don't know if you want to call it that, but she was using that ability. Um, and there are other stories, too, that go along with that, where she got out of trouble, a lot of trouble. Um, and she knew when was the right time to move away from that trouble or, you know, bad situation. Um, so when we were with this group, my mom had this very deep desire to leave the group. My dad didn't. And so one day she found a Buddha head and she kind of tucked it in her, you know, pants. And um, she prayed that night because we lost all hope. There were, we were all hungry. There was no food. Um, and my mom was worried, you know, so she prayed. And I think it came from the heart. And I think that's what you really need when you connect with the other side is when you pray from the heart and you know where you, what you want to do in the mind and you connect those two together, you will get that answer to your prayer. So I think that's where my mom found her answer to her prayer. And that night she asked, how do I get my family to safety? What do I do? Where do I go? So that was left, you know, on the open. Um, and she Start as praying to God. She didn't know who she was praying to, but she said, I just prayed. Um, so that night, as soon as she fell asleep, she saw an old man um, in her dream. He had a cane. He came by her. Um, and mind you, we were sleeping on the ground where all the leaves are and the insects. Um, so he came over in her dream, you know, hit her leg and said, hey, little lady, when you wake up, wherever your feet points, follow that path. And as soon as you follow a path, he kind of made it a riddle for her to understand, but it's hard for me to translate into English. So basically she said, you know, follow the um, direction wherever your foot, foot points to when you wake up and you have to do this before sunrise. Um, then you follow the path, you'll hear running water. When you hear running water, you keep going till you hear a baby cry. When you hear the baby cry, walk towards the direction of the baby. However, do not touch the baby. Do not pick up the baby under any circumstance. Leave the baby there. And then he said, you'll continue to follow the path and you'll see a large hill or little mountains. And he said, you want to climb that little mountain or hill. And he said, you'll hear commotion as you get towards the top of the mountain. And when you hear that commotion, you will see when you get to the very top, what direction you need to look in to find safety. Okay. I want to stop. And so we'll stop you for just a second. I want to point out, you, you mentioned something really important about the, the prayer work and it said connecting the head and the heart together. Now um, people like Greg Braden, who's, you know, obviously really well known in the metaphysical world. I've written lots of books, speaks on stage. He's done a lot of research and he especially went into the Eastern cultures to look at the ancient texts about that. And he speaks of connecting the, the, the head with the heart. And there's 
parts of the heart that are like a, a brain, almost a small miniature brain. And if you connect those two together, that's when, you know, the, the, the miracles happen, so to speak, the, the real stuff happens. And I think, Tommy, um, you know, in your work, too, that's very similar uh, energetics. So what she was doing in a natural sense, uh, science-wise, we know that that is how you manifest things. At this point, they've proven the heart has its own sense of intelligence. In fact, a lot of times the heart will have information that can process it faster or sooner rather than your brain does. You know, and that's part of the intuitive abilities. So when they are in what they call coherence, when they're in sync, the heart and the head, then things start to flow very well for people. So your mama was doing that just perfect. Mm -hmm. And so she was able to then follow. So, okay, you're getting into the top of the hill. So I'm, I'm interested. Go ahead. <laughs> so as soon as she wakes up, she, you know, tells my dad, we're leaving. You know, there's no and ifs or buts. You're not arguing with me. We're leaving right now and, and just us, you know. So they leave. Um, they, my mom said, whatever happened with that dream, she said she was all in it because it's either do it now or, you know, she'll never find the answers, right? So she said, she said, everything that happened, everything that he said that needs to happen, happened. And she said to the T, there was nothing different, nothing changed, everything that he said. And so when she got up to that mountain, she said she had to look because there was some trees in the way, but she said she had to look. And when she looked downwards, she saw like a, a white Red Cross camp. So that was basically the border of Thailand. Um, and so my mom dropped to her knees and she told my dad, I couldn't tell you this, but I just know we needed to move quickly and make less noise. And, but he, she, you know, she eventually told him and I mean, he, he had to believe her because of what happened, you know? Um, and so you guys did hear the baby too, correct? Yes. Yep. Um, so the baby was there and my mom said, Oh, I felt so bad. I wanted to pick up the baby and, then I heard the voice again, you know, remember, do not touch the baby. Yeah. So I didn't know if that was like a trap or um, that would have lagged our time or the baby would have cried even louder or whatever, whatever, for whatever reason, we were not allowed to touch that baby. So, um, and good thing she didn't because um, we found ourselves to safety and um, you know, my mom says it to this day, like, how, how do you explain that? You know, um, and so, you know, for someone who doesn't, who wouldn't believe or who've never experienced it, um, it's hard to believe. But for her, she, that she was, um, she was, she knew that she was, you know, washed over and that her prayer was answered. Right. Absolutely. And so then you guys, from that point, you made your way to America? Yes. So my aunt, uh, we kind of reached out and they asked, do you have any family members in the U.S.? And my um, my aunt sponsored us and tried to get us over there. So we, by the time we came to the United States, we had nothing but the clothes on our backs. And we had all, mind you, in Cambodia, it's very hot. So we had very light clothing. And so when we came to the United States, it was winter. And boy, you know, it's, it was like a shocker, literally. <laughs> literally. So, and so the, the, the guy who came and bumped her, did she ever figure out who that was? She said that she never 
dreamt about him or she's never heard his voice ever again. And she, when I ask her, she says, oh, I think it's associated with the Buddha head that she found. Mm-hmm. So she believes that in connection to that uh, Buddha head, that there is maybe um, something that was connected to it where she was uh, almost like, um, like a conduit. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so you get to America and, um, and, and I, I guess I want to um, kind of skip ahead a little bit to, um, you know, with related to your children and, and what you started to see as they were growing up that, you know, and we, we often talk about these abilities kind of run down through the generations. I mean, you hear gypsies, eight generations down, you know, you hear of uh, people that have, you know, my grandma, my great grandma, you know, my grandpa, you know, they all did it. Now I do it. Um, and so obviously it makes sense since you do it, your mo- your mother did it. And you even told me a story one time about your, it was a great grandfather, I believe, that then did some really interesting stuff too. Um, so that's fascinating. But, but go ahead. Yeah. So my, um, and I didn't hear this until I got older, or maybe I just didn't remember it. Um, but my mom said, oh, I've been telling you guys since you were young. And then my sister actually brought this up to my attention. And my sister does not believe in any of this medium. She doesn't want it. She doesn't want to believe it. Um, you know, I mean, she does. She's had some experiences, but she's like, nope, I don't want to see them. I don't want to hear them. Um, but she had one experience where it kind of riled her and she had to ask me about it. And then that was brought up about my grandfather because I think she realized that it's more than what she can explain to me. Um, and then when she brought up my grandfather, she goes, oh, ask mom. You know, you need to ask mom because she knows the story. And uh, I heard it when I was younger. And um, I think maybe she knew that I forgot about it. But I did hear it faintly, but not the entirety of the story. So um, when I asked my mom finally as an adult, um, I said, you know, mom, you know, I'm going through these weird things. Um, you know, my sister said that you had something in the family or dad had something, in the, someone in the family where they had um, abilities where it's like a fairy tale story. You wouldn't believe it. Um, and she goes, oh, yeah, it's true. You know, but when she tells me these stories, it's like one of those, you know, grandma, she sits on the porch and she tells you these stories and you know that deep down that she, she knows it to be true. Um, and you can feel it when she, when she tells you the stories. And so the story goes that um, my great-great-grandfather um, had the ability to somehow stop or manipulate time. Um, and, you know, when I go into what I do now, like, I realize that, we perceive time, but where where we're at the other side, it's it doesn't seem like there's time. Like I can project myself and say what will happen tomorrow, and I could already see what happened tomorrow. Um, so um, so now that I'm older and I see this, I want to question it because I've experienced it. So when I asked my mom about you know this relative, this ancestor. She says there was this one story where he had a package to be delivered very far away. And the package has already been on its way. 
Um, and he says, oh, no, I'm not ready to give the package yet. I want, I need the package back. Um, so my mom said it took him literally five minutes to retrieve the package. Um, and so in our culture, I don't know what you want to call it, but um, they do a chant and they go back or they go forward in time. So my mom said that is what he did. He did a chant and you, you somehow reverse that. And my mom said in five minutes, he was able to retrieve the package that was nowhere in the village and come back with it and says, yeah, of course I can do this. Um, just, just naturally. Yeah. Matter of fact. Yeah. So yeah. now, so that would be time travel for all practical purposes. What we would call time travel. Yeah. Um, and so my, no, my mom didn't explain that as, as that. She just said, yeah, he did his chant and he, you know, he, he took the item back or whatever in five minutes. And so, so this other village or wherever it was, that was like 30, 40 miles away or? Yeah, it had to be in the city. They, they would have to go through the city and that we were in the country. So that would have been a few hours. Wow. Well over a few hours. If, if he was going to walk it. And he didn't have a car. And yeah, there was no way. There was no, there was no train for him to get there. And if you think about it, five minutes, it probably got him down the street. Right. Right. So, right. Um, and, you know, they confirmed that they already got the package in the city or wherever it was. So my mom said, yeah, there's truth to that you know, and that it was already sent to the city or cl closer to the city um, in comparison to where they were. And, you know, how did he do the chant to get his body moving fast enough to get there in five minutes and back? Yeah, it's all vibration, isn't it? <laughs> and so you get that vibration going fast enough, you can go either way, I suppose. How, it'd be interesting um, to take modern day scientists and, uh, uh, and you know, really apply some quantum physics to that to see what would it have taken. Of course, you know, Einstein and talks about that, you know, with time and, and, and light and all that and, and, and whether uh, how that's all interconnected. So it, it appears as though your, your great grandfather, um, you know, tapped into something through a natural source, not necessarily a mechanical source, in order to access that, assuming the story is true, we have no reason to disbelieve it, but, um, but it is fantastical in the sense of, you know, the standard American culture, that that would even be plausible to talk about, you know? Yeah, so the other thing is he was, not only did he have that ability to travel that distance or that time, but he was also able to heal. So there's a story about a young girl that comes in, um, a young woman, I should say, that comes in and her family's desperate to the point where they said they've spent a lot of money um, trying to get her well, but they have, they don't know what to do and how to get her well. And she's very young and, you know, they wanted to try everything. They were willing to try everything. And so they went to um, a village where my grandfather was and they said, if you heal our daughter, we will give you our daughter in, in a hand of marriage. So 
I think that kind of boosted him and say, and he wanted, you know, he wanted, he was like, Oh, that's great. You know? So he, um, I think he really wanted that. And so um, he healed her and he married her. Um, You know, I, I mean, that's no more than I can say, but um, my mom said that he was able to do that instantly. It wasn't like he had to heal her over a course of time. It was, um, right there and right then the family never came back like it was um that moment and so um they arranged the marriage and I never really knew what happened you know with the family um what happened or how many kids they had it was just so it was just um you know so long ago but wow that's cool well that that's time too they always talk about healing is is based on time we have a regular time set you know you cut your arm it's going to take a couple of weeks for that to all, you know, scab over and, and heal. But what if you could accelerate that to where, you know, like uh, the, the, the Jesus stuff, you know, somebody had, you know, that kind of stuff, you'd lay hands on there. And what are you doing? You're basically, it appears, um, doing a almost a photonic transference of light at a, at a much faster vibration, which is effectively related to time. Uh, in an intelligent way um, to, to move from now until what your head and your heart see is already done. And if you can get your head and heart to see what's already done, snap, it'll happen so much quicker. And I think that's what you're kind of describing. So, so let me jump. That's cool. I, I mean, I really like that. But let me jump to your Indigo Kids. Tell me, tell me, uh, you know, how old were some of these kids when you started to see first see some of these cool things? And then um, once again, what would you recommend to, to other parents when they, if they start seeing some of these interesting things? Okay, so because I had these experiences myself um, growing up as a child, like you just think, oh, you see, you know, you just have imaginary friends, you see the monsters in the closet, you um you know, it's, it's all kid stuff, right? So that's, you know, that's the, the, the way that um, Americans w- or most people would perceive that. So because I grew up with, you know, the ability to see things or I saw things and I couldn't explain it. And then I would tell my mom, and she goes, oh yeah, that's normal. You know, um, I didn't know at the time that that wasn't normal, right? Or that was, that was something that not everybody spoke about or was open to. So because I experienced that, it led me to now, when I have kids now, it led me to be more open, right? Um, And to think, like, what can I do to help my own children? Because my mom didn't, I mean, she was great with saying, okay, that's normal. That's that. I mean, that's better than saying, you know, that's made up stuff and don't believe it. And, you know, so I kind of, it was given to me as a positive thing that my mom kind of said, oh, that's normal. That's okay. Uh, to experience those things, but now growing up and having my own children, and now that they're, you know, older now, and I see that they're telling me they see things, and, you know, my husband was, um, he was raised, you know, Catholic, he doesn't follow the Catholic, you know, religion anymore, but, um, you know, for me to be married to him and having, uh, you know, he's Italian-Irish, so they don't, you know, the Western culture is like, what, you know, you just don't understand, you know, you're not on the same page. And so for him to go along and see with me, um, 
and to, you know, have to see with our own kids. It's just, um, it, it proves that there is more than what we can explain. Um, and then how do we help our, the children, you know, it's, and I believe like you have to help the children because we are the children in the future. Right. So like in my culture, we believe in reincarnation or that you live multiple lives, um, thousands or hundreds of thousands of lives. Right. So, um, if we don't help our children or we don't help ourselves in this life, then, you know, a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now, um, as we evolve, um, how can they, um, you know, hold that uh, energy? How can they identify themselves? How can they know who they truly are? Uh, you know, as spiritual uh, beings, we, you know, we have that capability. And so that led me to kind of venture out. And great thing, we have the uh, internet where you can, you know, look everything up. And I, originally, I was skeptical about looking at, um, teaching children how to read blindfolded. Um, and then I said, you know what? Everything I went through, like I need to see this because I said it is, po I know it's possible that you are able to use an inner vision, right? Because I do it without knowing it. Um, so I know that there's more to that. And, you know, I kind of wanted to learn because my children are seeing things and um, how do I help them kind of navigate through that? Um, I can only show them what I've learned, but I want to also look into what the world has already um, learned or where they got their information from and how to tap into certain things, right? So, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you and just tell people what she's going to tell you. <laughs> it's going to be she, one of her children. Um, she's actually blindfolded them and then let them read a book. And, and so that sounds like magic, you know, to the onlooker. Um, how the hell do you do that? And, you know, of course, obviously it's using the third eye, um, your inner vision, if you will, your mind's eye. It's called a lot of different things, but it's, it's a focus of your mental acuity looking beyond the physical to see what's necessary. I mean, I knew a guy who would and I wouldn't recommend this ever, but would be blindfolded and could drive a car. It's the same concept. Books are much less dangerous. Don't do the car thing. That's just, from us here at the Metaphysical Mysteries, we do not endorse driving a car blindfolded. <laughs> but if you want to try it with a book, that's a whole nother thing. And where I hear this often is the people who are intuitives and they start to, as they're reading a book, they start to get the next page before they ever turn it. And, and that's how I see, I've seen people learn it. They're going through and they're reading, they're reading, and they also are already basically at the next page. So when they flip it, it's like they've already got it, you know, and they're at the next page. And so I don't know how it came up with your indigo child, but, um, but go ahead. Okay, yeah, so... Um... Going into it, all of my children were like, oh, mom, you know, like we're gonna make, be made fun of um, and my friends will never believe me. And they were more concerned about what society thought, you know, and I think that's hard for kids. Sure like, you know, going into it, they kind of just say, well, this, this is not normal and I can't be this way because my friends are not this way, you know? Um, so 
going into it, they were not fully, um, you know, saying, yeah, like, I want to do that, right? They were interested, but they thought more about, I think, some of the issues that they would have going down the road. Um, so when I first taught the children, my husband was very negative about it. And he would just come in with this energy, like, why are you teaching the children that, you know, and I'm sure in, in different religions, especially if, you know, like the Catholic religion that he grew up in, that was seen as like a bad thing, you know, you, what are you doing? That's not normal. And you can't do that. And uh, what are you opening the kids up to? And so that, I think that was his mentality because that was put into his head um, as a young, you know, growing up. Um, so he came in just very negative. And I think that's one of the things that um, is not allowed is you cannot have a teacher or the people around you be negative uh, because they can feel that and it shuts them completely. Um, if they are not a hundred percent, you know, um, confident, they will just, it will just close for them. Um, until they find that safety again, until they, until they find confidence again. And um, so when I did it with my three kids at the beginning, my husband was in the house and, you know, I said, Oh geez. And they, they didn't get it. They got the colors, but they didn't get the reading. And I said, Oh, just I, maybe that's different, you know, cause all the kids going into it, they will have their own different experiences. So then I tried it on my um, youngest daughter and when I tried it on her, I took her outside away from the commotion of the house. And uh, my husband was at work. So, <laughs> you know, I, she couldn't have that negative influence. Right. Um, so when I took her outside, you know, I took her, I put the uh, covering on her. And this covering is, you can't see light, even when you're outside. You cannot see any daylight. It's completely dark. Um, and once you've tried, a lot of people, you know, say, oh, I'm sure they can see through it. No, there's no way that they can see through it at all once it's covered. Um, and then, so, you know, I have her do it, I have her read, and she's reading the book, right? And I, and I go, gosh, you know, it's like, when we're in that space, when she's in that space, and there's no influence, um, she can get there, right? Because she's not thinking, oh, this is not real, or I'm, this is not this, you know, how are people going to think about me? Oh, how does dad feel about all of this? You know, um, and then my husband came home and I was still outside and he walked out and he goes, oh, you know, like, what are you guys doing? And I'm like, I need you to look because I got her to, to read. And I, and I said, I want to show you, you know, this is, this is very possible. And she's reading it and he go and he whispers in my ear and he says, well, maybe she's peeking. Um, and I just looked at him and I said, took a, a big cardboard piece of white paper and I put it under her, you know, from the chest um, all the way out. So it covers the book. So if she was cheating, you, sh there's no way, there's no gap in between her body and the book for her to look down through the, um, you know, the blindfold and see the words or the colors. So I did that. I put it over her and I said, okay, continue to read. And she continued to read, you know, two sentences. And I said, and I looked at him and I said, how do you explain that? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, from that point on seeing that and even the energy of those around us, it makes a big difference. You know, how you 
um, how do you identify and, and, you know, using your third eye or your psychic abilities or mediumship, even the influences of those around you um, makes a big, it makes, it has an impact because as a teacher, I believe that we are like the conduits for them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can have, you can teach a child and Tom can teach a child and I can teach a child. Uh, let's say we clone that child that child could have, in my opinion, those um, influences could be different. So they might pick up on Tom, you know, Tom might have an ability to, to know, right? So they might pick up an ability to know like, oh, I don't see any color, but I can, I, I know that looks like an animal. All right, so that you gave him a book that, you know, I'm just using this as an example. And Terry, you know, you might um, so do something different where we like, the child's eye, and this is what I actually experienced. A kid had an eye, um, and it was red. I guess it was irritated. And I saw him, and he, you know, did the blindfold. After he left, I didn't know that his eye was red. Like under, I guess it was under the eye um, mm -hmm. until you, you know, picked up the eye, the under eyelid. And uh, when his father came to pick him up, he he goes, "Oh wait, let me see your eye. Your eye is not bothering you anymore. It's it was no longer red." Right. So Terry, you might have this child and the, the father, and this actually happened to me where I'm using this as an example because I know it to be true. I, it, I experienced it. Terry, you might have this child and, you know, the father didn't think anything about it. He didn't say, oh, yeah, you helped this child. It, he, he didn't even think about that. Right. But when we do it, we were like, oh, my gosh, this happened. Um, looking back at it. So you healed, helped heal this child's eye, even though he couldn't read the books or he couldn't see any of the colors. But something happened during that time period, at, you know, being a conduit for them, right? So then I, as a different teacher, might have a different experience where I can help the child open that eye so that they can read that book or see the colors. So because I believe that, you know, we are a conduit and conduits and we use the you know energies around us to help the children at the time it's like so important and um and I think like the group that you have it's like you can tap into different children if they're not showing it at first it's okay you know it's like you're not going to have that child that plays baseball or basketball perfectly you know they kind of kind of work into it and then sometimes in that year they'll they'll be so much better or they'll make improvements so I think like with, you know, helping children, it's the same way. You have to kind of mold them into saying, okay, are you an artist? Are you an athlete? You know, where are you? And try to find their um, ability. And I think that's so important because for me, I, I can't be the same medium as another medium. You know, um, we use our abilities differently and I would have to meditate and I, um, I actually hear the words like as if I'm talking on the phone and I need that. Sometimes I need that clarification to give another loved one, the answers or to clarify, Hey, listen, I am speaking to your child um, who's passed, you know, and how do you do that? Yeah. So to give that um, exact word in your head and then relay the message is important to me. Um, and I don't like to just feel it. I like to hear it. I will say that, um, obviously, all three of us have been to many conferences through the years, and you notice that when you're with like-minded people, 
the energy that, you know, synergizes that those that have psychic abilities, it is massively enhanced when you are with a group of say 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 other people who are building that energy in the zone that you're in so that you are able to, you know, almost instantaneously access the other side where it might take you time to sit and meditate if you're by yourself, you know, to try to draw in that energy. But when you've got all these people around you, um, you, you feed off of that and, and, and it's synergistic. So everybody's getting more than they normally would get if they were by themselves. And that energy is a healing energy because it's a love energy. Uh, it's a communicatory uh, type energy also um, and an interpretive energy. And there's so much to it um, that I really think people need to understand that. And when you're talking about to children, you know, not every teacher is meant for every student. And you have to find that match that's just so-so. And finding that mentor, and uh, all three of us have talked about finding mentors uh, for, for these people, these young folks. What a waste it would be. What a God's gift to waste if we didn't, as adults and mentors, try to help these folks learn to use these gifts for themselves, for their families, and more importantly, for mankind as a whole. We don't know what the future holds where it might be imperative to the future of mankind at some point that we have a certain number of a psychic mediums that can tap in and give us truth that we can't get anywhere else. And I think we really, really would be doing a disservice if we just said, ah, poo -poo, it's just a kid stuff. You know, we're not, it's not real. Uh, so taking it seriously, you know, you know, can you make some games out of it where they learn? Of course. Can you make it fun? Of course. It doesn't have to be deadly serious. But even in the ancient days, and I'll go back into the Judeo-Christian world, and they talk about prophets, you know, that are written in the Bible and stuff. And of course, they're in the Vedas and they're in other, you know, Buddhist texts and so forth. These kids uh, were identified young. And that's what people don't realize. They were identified by their parents and grandparents. And it handed over to the rabbi to go to school, mystery schools, um, schools for prophets. So by the time they're 20, 30, 40, 50 years old, they've literally been trained to tune in to the other side and, and give these, these grandiose uh, commandments, if you will, um, scripts that we use right now. And I think really we're at that stage where we really need to take advantage of what we do know so that the children don't get wasted. Um, and how many years, take 20, 30, 40 years ago, growing up in the wrong religion would be the death nail to, to all this, you know, absolutely don't talk about it. And you'll find the, the, uh, the great grandmother who did maybe grow up Catholic, which since we mentioned that it could be anything, um, who had abilities, but would never, ever say it. They might do some things and grandma knows, just ask grandma if you're going to have a boy, baby boy or baby girl, she'll tell you, you know, and who you're going to marry. Grandma will know. And, you know, because even further back, we called it witchcraft, you know, because we didn't understand it. And um, some of the dogma of certain religions 
scared the bejesus out of people is what I call it. <laughs> and so now I think the science of it all, and Tom, chime in here with the science on this, if you would, but I think that's going to help us get past this. Yeah, the science is starting to catch up with the quote-unquote the woo-woo stuff. It's taking a little while, but people are starting to realize there is an intersection between the two. Angie, if you don't mind, I just want to take it back for a moment. Some things you said earlier that I think would really help the listeners. You mentioned how your mother um, gave you support as you were having different experiences. And I know there's parents out there and maybe people themselves that have had some experiences how young were you when you first started noticing in yourself and in your kids these gifts? And what were they? What was it show what was showing up that you went, hmm, I've got something here? Okay, yeah. So for me it was um seeing people and I thought, oh, you know, maybe people talk about your imaginary friends. So if you go to school, the friends say, Oh, you have an imaginary friend too, you know, um, or you know, the monsters in the closet the people walking around in the middle of the night. So I would experience things like that as a child because I think I was more afraid of it. So therefore it came um, because you don't want to see things at night and especially sleeping alone, you know? So growing up, I had to sleep the nightlight and I still do <laughs> um, only because I still see them. Um, so, you know, those things when your child say, mom, you know, can you keep the light on? You know, those little things like your child, you don't, your child doesn't think about it, but you, you know, you have to pick up on these things, right? So those are the things that I went through. And then now my kids are the same way where they're like, oh, can you leave the light on? Or this one story where um, I'll tell you this um, with my oldest daughter, she was three years old. We were living in uh, Massachusetts during this time. So in Massachusetts and the house is very, um, it's in the historical society, the pictures are the pictures are in this historic society, it's old. And uh, we moved into this house, it was the first house. Um, and one night my husband and I were downstairs watching TV and the, our oldest daughter, she slept in the room with our oldest son, they, sh they had different beds. And there's a closet at the end of her bed. And um, one night she screamed and it was a different scream. It wasn't like, oh, there's a bug or something. It was a different type of scream. And so we both ran up. My husband didn't even stay on the couch because of the disturbing scream that he ran up the stairs behind me. Um, and we opened the door, we turned the light and we, and we were like, what's wrong? You know, and she's like, there's a monster in my closet. And so my husband looked at me and, you know, he walked to the closet. I hold her and I, and then my husband's like, come on, let's go to the closet. You know, so I pick her up. I'm holding her and my husband opens the closet door and we say to her, is he in there? Is he still in there? And she goes, oh, he's hiding, you know? Um, and then I knew at that point that I needed to communicate with something that was scaring her. Um, so I said into my head and I sent it out to whatever that was there. And I said, whatever space you're in, you know, you're not welcome here. If you, if you continue to scare my child, I will not, you know, I will not help you in what you need to help in because you're still scaring my child. If you need to come to me, you know, and ask me for, for any help, then come to me. Do not, you know, interfere with my child and scare her that way because clearly it did something. And I asked her what it did and it said it made funny faces at me to, you know, to get me to scream and be scared and go under my blanket. And, um, so as soon as I sent this message to it, my daughter looks at me and she says, 
mommy, he said he knows. And I said this in my head. I did not say it out loud. And my husband was there to witness all of it. And after I told him what I said to it in my head, um, telepathically, and then my daughter responding because she could hear it talking, she responded and told me, she says, yeah, mom, he, he basically telling me he already knows that I can't help him if, you know, he continues this. Um, so, you know, that day forward, I said, oh, wow, you know, like they're starting to voice these um, experiences now that I can, you know, they're old enough to tell me and they're old, old enough to express them. So this is when I kind of like really dive deeper and try to understand what I was going through for them and what they, you know, needed to learn from me. Right. So as a mom, how did you decide what this was real and she didn't have some other kind of issues that needed to be addressed maybe with a clinician? Yeah, I mean, you know what, for a while, I, at first I thought I was going crazy and it started to get really strong after I had the kids um, to the point where I told my husband, I said, I can't, um, I hear, I hear voices. And now that I have kids, why has this happened to me now while I have kids? Why couldn't it happen? You know, why couldn't this be more strange before I had kids? Um, because I was more worried um, because uh, if they're stronger and they're affecting my everyday life, I thought I was going crazy. Um, and so, you know, how do you, so to that point, I, I seeked for some help. You know, I saw like a psychotherapist and I said, I think I'm going crazy. And the guy's like, no, you're not going crazy because crazy people don't know they're going crazy. <laughs> so, um, you know, I just went down a road and it led me dive more into the spiritual aspect. And then I realized, you know, there are mediums, there's, you know, there's psychic abilities, there's all of these things that are labeled that, you know, we don't really think about because we're busy working and we, we were too busy thinking about the material things in life. So when my daughter had this first incident with the, you know, the monster in the closet, I knew with my husband standing there that I wasn't going crazy. I knew that I already communicated that message to it and she related back to me. And that was enough evidence for me to go forward and say, there's more than we can explain. Like, how do, how, how does anybody explain that? You know, but um, as the kids got older, they still continued to see these things. Right. Um, and they, like my son was like, one day we had a party in the out structure and he goes, Oh, auntie's here. And my brother looks out the window and he goes, no, she's the car's not here yet. As soon as he says the car is not here, my, my sister rolls up in the front, you know? So um, it, the, those experiences, you know, he, my youngest son, he has the ability to, you know, tap into that time, I think, looking at, okay, she's going to be here right now. She's down the street and she's coming up the way. And he did this at two years old, um, you know? So, so what things you're, like that. You were describing, uh, just for our listeners, I mean, you're describing clairvoyance, which is clear seeing, which you have. You're, you're also describing clairaudience, which is clear hearing, um, that you can hear an entity. Your daughter's hearing that, you're, you're, and your son's talking about premonitions. Uh, so a precog, precognition um, is another. Uh, so and each one of these clairs, which I would encourage people to look up the different clair, points of clairvoyance, um, you know, because there's clair for taste, there's clair for smell, all of a sudden you start 
smelling your grandfather's pipe, they're using all five of your senses to tune you in to what's going on around you that you maybe physically can't see, but using the third eye system, you can. And I, I and I will I'll chime in and say you know m both my kids, same way, they have abilities. You know that there's no question about it. And you know that you've had at least my daughter show up at your house a time or two. And, uh, um, and my son, you know, he's obviously been able to uh, do a lot of these things since he was a little tyke, you know, three years old. And for kids seeing shadow people, um, it's scary for them, apparently, especially if the parents don't believe. And, um, and, and if you believe, you're fortunate in the sense that you had your own abilities, your mother had her own abilities, and it kind of went down through the family. And so I think it gave you a sense of, okay, this is an option. What if it was your mother-in-law, you know, and your, and your husband, and they totally didn't get this? You know, what would the kid turn out like if they just poo-pooed it and it's all just BS, if that's what they thought? But fortunately, they have you. And since they have you, uh, you, you are their mentor, you're their help, you're the one that gives this reality to them, you know, that this is a real thing, it does really happen. And I think that's the key for a lot of parents. And if you don't have this ability yourself as a parent, then you need to reach out, seek people who do have this ability and have this desire to help the children better understand their gifts. I think that's really where we're at with this is we want to make sure that these kids don't go through life thinking they're nuts. And some psychotherapists may say, yep, you're nuts. And, you know, here's your special pill you need to take every day to calm yourself down. When in fact, it may just be simple clairvoyance uh, that's available. And, and we want to make sure that people know that there are others out there who can help. I mean, you're in Sedona. Well, Sedona is well known as a, you know, metaphysical mecca, if you will, in the United States. It's probably, I would say, the premier um, place to go uh, for metaphysical sense of, um, you know, all the vortexes and things that we talk about in, in Sedona. There are other places. Uh, Eureka Springs, Arkansas comes to mind uh, as that um, up in uh, uh, New York in uh, Lilydale. Uh, they have a whole community of nothing but uh, psychics and mediums. Uh, Casadega down in Florida, it's like a, the southern version of Lilydale. Uh, and, and, and there are others, I think some in California as well. But what I'm, what I'm pointing out is that there are sources and it doesn't have to be, and I'm trying to find a source that is not too woo-woo for the parents to swallow is really the challenge. And I think when when we as practitioners, so to speak, come from a background that is legit, clinical, science-based, we don't necessarily talk to woo-woo language. I think that helps to calm down the, um, the parents that, you know, you're in good hands and, uh, and, and, and you as, as part of uh, a larger speaking group that, that Tom and I are involved in, the STEMS group is what it's called, uh, we do this kind of thing for parents. And so I know you got the opportunity to go to, uh, to Canada and uh, to take some uh, courses on this. Is there anything from those courses that, you know, 
would be helpful for um, a parent to, to know or realize. Um, so yes, I went to Canada and this is part of my, you know, seeking journey is to um, seek for myself, right? Because when I went online, there's a lot of people who said, no, this is fake. This is all a scam. Um, there's no truth into it. The kids were basically told what to read. They memorized what they were, you know, seeing already um, on camera. So, you know, a lot of people kind of, you know, um, gave neg a lot of negativity to this. And I think a lot of people, a lot of parents looking into it, they say, you know, they're like, oh, I, it's, it's not worth the time to even look into it, right? But for me, it was worth all the time because I had to see it for myself, you know, um, even after looking at multiple things online, I wanted to see for my own eyes, you know? Um, so, you know, I went to Canada. Um, it was like a three-day um, course. And um, I think like, at first, I, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's, it just seems like things that I already know, right? It's just more pictures and then how to explain to them, how to um, get them to visually tap, right? So that's what I learned is um, not just through that course, but through what I've gone through and then just reading things online to help explain what I'm going through. I think the visual aspect, so like when we connect with our hearts, are we sincere? You know, connect with that heart, and then we think about it in our in our head, in our mind, that we can just anybody can do it. It's just a matter of time, how, you know. Um, so when I went to this, you know, I, I was like, oh, maybe you know, I don't know if this is the right place for me. Who really knew? I didn't know, but I just knew that I wanted to learn something. But um, I went there and I did, and I saw that. Um, this is where I actually got that whole, you know, where conduits because I saw that exactly um, that, you know, one teacher might teach a child something different or they might not pick up on something or another might, you know, instantly get them to learn something or instantly get them to read. Um, some kids don't even see anything at all. or They might just see colors or some kids are so advanced, like you said, like they'll go to the next page, you know, they'll see the colors on the next page and then when you turn the next page you're like, oh, there's the color that you saw. And you can't tell them that, you know, what they saw is wrong. You can never tell them no, you know, when you're teaching them because you don't want to put that in their minds because what they, what we tell them to tap into is it's so small compared to their whole environment. You know, so when I took this back to my kids, this is what I learned. I learned that, you know, they are tapping into everything. They're tapping into dad's energy. You know, they're, they, they, if they don't feel happy that day, you know, you, you just, it depends on them, you know? And so the energy of that makes a big difference how they can um, uh, astral travel instantly. And they didn't know that they could before, you know? Um, and some kids will spend a lot of time, like my son, he spends a lot of time. He wants to go look at the world and then he wants to go look at the planets and, um, let's let's uh, um, do a timeout and we talk about astral travel, okay? Which is interesting because you know uh, my son does does that as well. And and so astral travel for for the listener, what they're really talking about is basically coming out of body, and you you pretty much look the same. It's one of your seven layers that you have, but it's the most like your physical layer uh, in the Bible. Um, it talks about being attached by the silver cord. 
and this is where you're going in astro traveling. Um, and there's the, the silver cord is really a, um, a, an electrical vibratory cord, an energetic cord, if you will. And they say if the silver cord is severed, you're dead. Okay. But for those who do it, when people do it when they're sleeping and they don't even know it. And sometimes if, if you've ever been asleep and all of a sudden somebody shakes you and says, hey, wake up. And all of a sudden you just like snap. You just like, like a rubber band, you know, and you're, oh, oh, you're like this, you know. And, and, and that's the silver cord snapping your astral body back into your physical body. And so when, when Angelina's talking about the astral body and, and kids moving around, and certainly they do. Matter of fact, uh, you uh, told me a story about one of your kids seeing a friend of ours walking through your house in her astral body, and they were able to see her and describe her. And, and, and sure enough, she had actually visited just to check on the family, make sure everybody was okay. Now, how cool is that when you then check? And sure enough, that's exactly what she was doing. And they can see that astral body. Um, my, I was teaching astral travel one time and uh, a woman who had never done it before, uh, all three of us happened to know her, but uh, she'd never done it before, but she actually came out of body. I don't know that she realized she did, but she walked through my son. And when she did, there's a little pop that happens. And <laughs> my son said, well, somebody just walked through me. And, and there is a little pop that occurs. It's almost a little of an electrical pop, if you will. And then she went ahead and followed my instructions where to go outside. And, and then she came back and, and popped back in the body. Um, she felt so bad that she walked right through him uh, in that process. So can you do it? Yes, you can. Does it sound the craziest stuff you ever can? Yes. It, for the listener, yeah, I totally get you're going, you, you guys all have had too many margaritas. There's, it's simply you're nuts. And um, I will say that, that that is not necessarily the case. I will say also that, that science is catching up to that as well. And we do know we're able to even take pictures of this. Um, and I think you provided a really good picture. Your son took, do you remember this picture? It almost like a kind of a ghost picture. And uh, that is a really good um is it an astral body in a way? It may be more ethereal body, but uh, nonetheless, it is a body nonetheless of a, of a person. Uh, that And that is a very cool one. I think we may have it on the website, a version of that on the website. So people can kind of see, they don't know it's you because you're, you know, it's your back. I guess I'm telling them now, but, um, but to, to have a three-year-old snap that photo out of the blue and pick that up is so cool. Uh, and I think it reinforces exactly what they're seeing that you're describing, but you got, got it captured on camera. And now other people can learn from that, you know? Yeah, I think, um, you know, adding to all these things that are unbelievable that are happening to my children and I, like, what are the chances, right? So um, one day I was getting him ready for bed. I was facing the window and I was, you know, closing the blinds so that the street light, you can't see any street lights or any lights coming in. And he's playing with my phone and he's on the bed. And, you know, he, he played as he's playing with it, he's laughing. Um, and he snaps a few pictures and I do look back a few times and I continue and I, and I, I look and 
and I and then I looked out the window a few times um, during that time, and um, he snapped a picture of this thing. You can kind of see the arms and they are the hands. Yeah. And it, so that's on your website, right? Yeah, it's on there. It is on oh, there. Okay. Yeah, so you can take a look at that. Um, and I think you can see the face. I think you can, if you really study it, there's a lot to that. Um, and I think we just popped that off the old web or one of the websites and put it on there. I need to put the original back on because it's clearer than, than, than what we've got right now. But um, yes, uh, that's, uh, and I think as you recall, um, the story goes that you were actually seeing another entity walking across the, the yard at the time. Yeah. So uh, when, when that happened, um, when right before I went to go check on the camera, I was I looked you know I looked down and looked at the window and I could see that there was possibly a dead person, and I could see them walking. I know they weren't there, um, but I can see that they were there, and they were looking up almost at me like, "What is that behind you?" Like they looked up at me like, "What's that?" Yeah. So um, you know. Then when I saw that, something made me look at the camera. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I got to him, I looked at the camera and I saw the picture. And I, I, at first I was like, oh no, is this a negative thing or a good thing? Because uh, what, why are their hands over my head mm -hmm. um, slightly? And you can kind of see the leg or the knee. So this thing was, you know, it looked bigger um, than me if I stood up. Um, sure. And you can see the lights the lights coming and that's the room was very dim it was very very dark because you can see where i'm sitting it's you can't really see my feature you can't see the side of my face at all you just see my hair um and so this thing was bright enough to uh to see the white um and the layers of white that it had in it so when i saw this i was like oh he knew because he was playing with it and he was laughing and he was like oh, oh let me take a picture of you you know kind of what kids do you know and um then i realized that it wasn't negative because he was happy and he was playful and after that he went to bed and nothing half bad happened so i knew that it was a positive thing that happened and not a negative right i i think the idea that the the the, the arms or hands were extended i think that is also a way that they have a, a greater ability to try to communicate with you because um, they're trying to wrap energy around you so they can get into your, into your mind a little bit and give you a message. Um, so the, the further they stand off, the harder it's going to be. I mean, it's, it's just, it seems natural, but you'd want to get close. But I didn't see, when I looked at it and evaluated it, I didn't see anything really negative about it. There was no dark areas. There was no, nothing that looked like it was menacing in any way. Um, it almost felt like an ancestor if you will, that was just hanging with y'all and, and, you know, just checking it out. And I just didn't see anything negative about it, but a fascinating, fascinating photo and, uh, and, and rare, I think. And great, great to teach people with. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we, we've covered a lot of ground here, so I guess I will, ask you if there's anything as we get ready to wrap up here is there anything that um you want to uh, leave our listeners or any words of advice um yes i mean there's a lot to say and um i would like to say like you know for those parents who um haven't really experienced it themselves that they see that their child is experienced even for a second you know 
if your child says, oh, you know, I saw grandpa or I saw somebody that passed away or they're experiencing orbs or colors or um, anything that, you know, you can't wrap your head around, then that tells you that there's something there and maybe your child has an ability um, because we're coming into this world and now we're, it's, they're gonna, they're gonna experience it and their abilities are gonna become more stronger. So eventually they're gonna have to face it. It's just a matter of time when, um, where, right? Uh, and, and how it will impact them. And I believe that, you know, during a certain time of their life, maybe they'll be read, more ready than others. And so, you know, everybody's not on the same page, but, um, and that not everybody will have to learn the spiritual side of everything. Um, you know, my brother doesn't experience anything at all. Um, you know, and he says, you know, how do you experience all this weird stuff? And I don't, you know, but he doesn't come from that openness, you know, so I think it's because he doesn't come from that openness, he can't receive it, you know, uh, because his, his, his mind is at work and, you know, he can't see past that. But as a child growing up, I remember watching him and I remember him um, saying, oh my gosh, there's, you know, this um, thing on the wall, but he couldn't identify it. Or he would see a man with a top hat at, by the door, you know, so he would see things like that, but, you know, he shut that off at a, at, you know, while he was younger. And so now he's an adult, he don't, he doesn't, he doesn't believe in it. He doesn't experience it. And, you know, I know it's within the family. So I, you would think that he would experience it now, but, um, and he said, he tells me he doesn't, you know, but that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean that he's, he doesn't have the abilities or he can't tap into it. You know, just, it's just a matter of, you know, when a person needs to get into it. Um, and I think that like a lot of people are, you know, in this earth now that will need to experience the spiritual because, you know, it's got to be all connected, right? So we got to evolve. So that's how I see it. We have to evolve mind, body, and soul. Um, so now in the physical, we evolve the body, we learn about ourselves and learn, you know, we learn about the um, challenges of life. So then that's the mental, right? And then now we're going to the spiritual and how do you learn about, you know, all these things you can't explain. So eventually we, our souls need to experience that on this earth plane one way or the another. And yeah, we can't force that on, on everyone. Um, so I think for those parents that, you know, you see those small little moments when your child is experiencing something, you know, you should encourage them and then seek answers, you know, um, and, and then, you know, try to work with your child because it's more encouraging when they, they feel safe in an environment where everybody else is on the same page and positive about an experience versus, you know, like my husband, you know, having that negative energy of that's not possible and what are you doing and why are you doing that? And that's not right. You know, so um, it does make a big impact. And so for those parents, you know, that are going, you know, oh, should I get my kid into this? You know, it's all up to you. And I'm, at your time, eventually, you will want to seek those answers. And so for me and my family, you know, it's, it's the time, you know, it's the best time. And to, to especially have a husband that is not understanding and now is, you know, listening and telling people about me and which is weird, because Normally he would tell me to shut up, um, you know, and not to say anything. Um, but it's, it's very comforting to find that energy and be in that space with others. Um, so I hope that parents are more open to it and, you know, um, invite the experiences versus to saying they're just kid stuff and they're just the monsters in the closets, an imaginary friend. 
no, there's something to more to that and um, help your child embrace it, I think. Very good. Very good. Tommy, you got any wrap up? I think that was great advice for parents. Um, you know, don't be afraid of it. I think that's why a lot of times we shut down these things, that which we don't understand, we fear. So I would suggest just, you know, reach out, find the right people that guide you through the process and get you the support to figure out where everybody's at, your children and such. And, you know, um, Angelina just gets some great gifts, so don't hesitate to reach out to her and she can help guide you through that process. Very good. Yeah, we'll, we'll link your information, uh, whatever uh, that you would like, onto the, onto the website so people want to reach out and touch base with you if they have questions and so forth. I will say I do know her husband. He is cool. And we have uh, probably participated in a few festive beverages through the years. And <laughs> so, yeah, he, he's awesome. And I know he's coming around, you know, and, uh, and so uh, my hat's off to him for um, allowing you to work with the kids and so on and so forth. But uh, I will say, though, that, um, you know, do people have abilities? Yeah. And I, here's how I tell people. Almost everybody can drive a car. You know, even if it's an old grandma who just drives to the grocery store in church. Okay, but she can drive a car. But there's some people who can drive in the Daytona 500. Okay, that's the difference of psychic abilities. Everybody has it. It's just how much have you practiced it? How much have you supercharged that engine? Are you willing to go to the speed that you need to go? And those Daytona 500 drivers, like your kids and yourself, those are the people we call psychic. But it's because they went to that level that is so much higher than the grandma down here going to the grocery store. And so we classify them as psychic when, in fact, it's the same skill sets as the lesser, but they just use it so much more effectively, efficiently, and for, for the good of others that we call them psychic and or mediums or whatever, you know, whatever their gift may be, which are so many. One day we'll do a, uh, a podcast just on the many, many different gifts that are out there and we'll, we'll classify them for everybody so they get a, get a sense of that. And because uh, a lot of people have them and they don't know how to label them. And, uh, and I get asked a lot to label things for people so that they, and that's just how we work in the third density, you know, the third dimension. We need labels and we like to classify things in numbers and ABC and one, two, three. And that's just how we live, you know, our left brain. So anyway, I will say thank you. Thank you a lot for coming on. Uh, and I will say to the, to the listeners that uh, when Tom and I go out talking, uh, Angelina is often one of those that's going to be with us speaking. Uh, and speaking about, you know, children's issues, particularly, and how you as a parent can, can jump in and some, you know, little tricks of the trade. Um, if it's flashcards, if it's special books, uh, you know, she's going to talk about that. And so when we get that opportunity to come to your town, um, you know, you'll see all three of us, and uh, we'll have a good time doing it. We always do. And uh, so I will sign off uh, on behalf of everybody here, Tom and Angelina and myself for the Metaphysical Mysteries here at the podcast. We appreciate your time and effort, and hopefully we brought something to you that you couldn't get anywhere else. And uh, we do have many other guests coming with uh, lots of different uh, backgrounds, and so stick with us, and uh, I think you'll find uh, that podcast that fits you just perfect. So from, uh, from here at the studios, we'll say adios.
for now, and we'll see you next time.